Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Marriage Podcast. I'm Carrie Cohen, your host, and I am a wife, a mom, relationship strategist, and have been practicing as a psychotherapist for over 25 years. Consider this your new home for real, honest talk that you can only get in a therapy session until now. I'm here to empower you to create a marriage that fills you up from the inside out. And my goal is to share insights that resonate with you and create the kind of aha moments you need for deepening your connection with your partner. I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of couples just like you, and I'm going to show you that there's so much more to marriage than just checking a box. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Midlife Marriage Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the infamous midlife crisis and specifically averting the midlife crisis. So we are going to dive into that. I'm going to talk a little bit about what it is, why it happens. I'm going to give you some sort of just psychological context for that. Talk about what it looks like, like what actually happens behaviorally, but also we're going to talk sort of, you know, psychologically and emotionally what's going on inside the person. And then we're going to talk about how to deal with it, how to sort of like head it off before it comes or how to deal with it when you're in the middle of it. All right. So midlife crisis. So let's just, so for context, midlife actually starts at 35, if you can believe that, 35 to 65. 35 is early midlife. So, but most people, when they find themselves in this sort of infamous midlife crisis, as it's called, They're usually around 50 years old, give or take a few years. And it lines up with a developmental stage of life, okay? And the developmental stage of life is called generativity versus stagnation, okay? That is the conflict that needs to be resolved in this stage of life. So basically what this is, is we're talking about generativity, feeling like you are contributing, like you have something to contribute, whether it be professionally or to, or to your family or personally with hobbies or it's really being generative, being industrious, being purposeful, that sort of thing versus stagnation, stagnation rather, excuse me, stagnation, which is just feeling stagnant, like I'm not doing anything with my life. So if, if we are successful in building a pretty good productive life, then we likely feel like we're contributing to the world. And if we fail to do that, then we're going to feel uninvolved or peripheral or unimportant or insignificant. And that is going to set that person up for what's called as the midlife crisis. Now, does that mean that they're absolutely going to go into one? No, not necessarily. But at this stage of life, we really do want to be thinking about our purpose, our mission, our contributions, how we're contributing somehow, some way, whether you are in a career or not. And if you're not in a career, then you're contributing in other ways. You're contributing as a parent or you're contributing as a partner or you're contributing maybe maybe philanthropically. Maybe you have very strong drive in certain missions of organizations, nonprofits or others that you believe in that you contribute. And so, or you have hobbies that you really enjoy that you love doing and sharing with other people, playing music, whatever it might be. There's lots of ways to feel generative and productive when you are not in a career. And of course, if you are in a career, if you're in a career that you don't enjoy, that's 
going to be really difficult to feel that. I'm going to give you a little story later on in this episode about my own experience with this and how I move through it. Okay. So what happens? So what, what happens if, if someone does not, if someone is in this internal conflict? So when I say conflict, I mean it's an internal conflict in your mind. It's a psychological conflict. So if someone is feeling stagnant and what's going to happen? They're going to start to experience some things like maybe a sadness, a case of sadness or a case of the blues, or they might, they are going to have this dissatisfaction with life start to like question their purpose in life. They might even get like existential about it and be like, what, why am I even here on this planet? Like, what is my purpose? Like when I say existential, what I mean is those are questions that have to do with our existence. They're deep, they can be dark, (laughs) and they can feel really scary to people, but they're not unusual. So if you've had those, I just want you to know that they are common, okay? one might start to become very emotionally dysregulated, start to feel a lot of stress or a lot of like feeling withdrawn or like not being able to handle things, maybe even burnout. A lot of times burnout is a culmination of people leading up to this midlife crisis also. Burnout is many things. It could be this too. And what we'll see is we'll we'll end up seeing sort of poor coping skills. And what happens, this is when you see people like, like they're buying sports cars all of a sudden. They've, they've been driving a minivan or something and, or a Cadillac, and now they're buying a convertible or a sports car. You might see big impulsive changes, selling their house, moving, I don't know, moving to France and becoming a sommelier or a fromagier, which those are my fantasies in my, my sort of retirement maybe. I probably won't see those through, but those are things that I dream about. Or they're developing new friendships with people, new friendships. They could be platonic friendships. They could be friendships that have an emotional connection to them. And we might even see affairs during this time. So th- those are some of the things that we see happening. It's also, it's, it's marked by pretty major identity shifts, okay? I'm going to spend a little time talking about this because this is a big one that we all experience. Okay, so individuals, as I'm sort of speaking the last 10 minutes, individuals, you're starting to reevaluate your personal goals and your desires during midlife, which can lead to changes in self-identity. So you start to think about, okay, I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm 50. What do I want to do with myself? What am I, how do I want to spend the next 20 years? Okay. And this was something that I actually personally started thinking about, which I'm going to come back to. Couples might grapple with their evolving roles, like from going from full-time parents to empty nesters, going from career-driven individuals, which is where I was, to those seeking work-life balance or even early retirement, which is really something that my husband and I have experience with. There's also an increased awareness of time, which leads to these very pressing questions like, how do I want to spend the remaining years? What do I want to do with myself? How do, I, how do I want to feel? Where do I want to be? What do I want to contribute? Things like that. Again, that resonates with me personally. Couples also who primarily identified as parents may actually struggle to reconnect as a couple when their children leave home. Difficulty with the empty nest transition. And I've had a lot of couples come to me in my practice who really struggle with this, who put their kids first and only focused on their kids. And as their kids started to leave, 
sadly, they didn't know what to do with themselves. So they really had to redefine who they were. And then also one partner may decide to take early retirement or switch to a less demanding job, which leads to potential financial and lifestyle adjustments, possibly causing tension in the couple. And so that is definitely something also to reconsider. So we, we want to be able to deal with all of this without making rash decisions, without being impulsive about it. So one of the things that happened to me is when COVID happened in 2020, March of 2020, I, like all therapists, moved my practice home. And I was in a pretty significant sort of like acute stage of crisis just from moving my practice home. I go, I go from seeing a huge caseload of clients in person, I had a few online, but it was it was sprinkled in, maybe 25% online, to seeing 100% online. It was very stressful. Working on Zoom all day, Zoom fatigue was real. I didn't know what was going to happen to my practice. I saw a lot of people losing their jobs. I saw people being out of work. And I just, I didn't know, you know, none of us knew what was going to happen. Once I stabilized, and I would say that was within six months, I stabilized psychologically, emotionally, mentally, because my practice was very stable. The clients I was working with were not clients that were losing their jobs, really, and if they were, they had a lot in savings so they could continue to do their work with me because they were stressed, too. The other piece that was really stressful for me, it was the first time that I was going through something that my clients were also going through. So we were in it together. And that's really hard. So so yeah, once I got through that initial crisis, six months, I would say, I started really um, reflecting and thinking about myself, my goals, where I was, where I am, where I'm going, because I then had a little more time. At the very least, the time I had was I wasn't commuting to the office anymore, which although it was only 30 minutes there and back, I always left my house at least an hour earlier, and I always stayed a little bit after work. So let's just add on two hours to my day that I didn't have anymore, which is 10 hours a week, eight hours a week, because I was only going into the office four days. So it freed up a lot of time, and I started reflecting. So for a good five years leading up to that 2020, I was trying to think about my career and what I was doing. I was working a ton. I saw a lot of clients. I always had a wait list. I always tried to fit people in. I worked very long hours, and I, was, I really was maxed out on my career. I was at my peak. I couldn't charge anymore and still be in integrity with myself. I couldn't see any more people unless I cloned myself. And as an entrepreneur, that as a therapist, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I am where like 99.9% of other therapists would love to be. Like I was probably 0.01% of the therapist population, probably 0.001 in my area. But I... So that's there, but as an entrepreneur, I was like, oh my gosh, like I am fried. I am so burnt out. And I really enjoy the lifestyle. I enjoy making money. I enjoy being successful, but I'm tired. I'm burnt out. I'm working too much. And so what I would do is I would work all day and then I would go home and I would just veg out. And then on the weekends, I just, you know, I sort of lived for my weekends. And 
when I started really evaluating, here were the five questions I asked myself. And for me, I put this happened to me in midlife and it was the things that I was questioning. And so it wasn't a full on midlife crisis because I didn't go out and do the things that people do. I also had a lot of support and also had a lot of just psychological awareness myself because of my own personal work and because of the work I do as a therapist. But it's unique in that way. I would say that that is not most people's experience. So, so here's, here are the five questions I ask myself, which are the five questions I encourage you to ask yourself. Number one, how do I want to live my life? Like logistically, how do I want to live my life? So I spent time really thinking about that. And as a therapist who sees one-on-one clients back-to-back, I'm locked into a chair. And I, can't, I take vacation, but it's planned. I have flexibility, sort of, because I'm an entrepreneur, but my clients are counting on me, and they're relying on me to be there for my appointments. And many of my clients I saw twice a week. And so, you know, if something comes up in the middle of the day, I can't just run out and go take care of it. Because I have clients who are relying on me. Now, of course, if there's an emergency, I went through the loss of my dad. So, you know, there's an emergency. But, but I'm not like, if my daughter is sick from school, I'm not like taking days off all the time. So how do I want to live my life logistically? I really started thinking about that. I personally needed to have more white space in my day. In order to do that, It meant to see less clients, and in order to see less clients, I would have to take a huge income hit, which just wasn't going to be conducive to my lifestyle. So I really had to start thinking about that logistically. And then number two, what's important to me? It's important to me to have more time. It's important to me to have more space to think in my mind. So I started thinking about what's important to me. And number three, what are my values? What do I value? You know, I value security, financial security. I value financial freedom. I value time freedom. I also value location freedom. As a therapist serving one-on-one clients back to back, you don't get time freedom and you don't get location freedom. There's no way that I could be in a different place all the time and be seeing my clients from different places. It's just too destabilizing. When you're seeing people at the level and intensity that I was, so that wasn't going to work. So as I was thinking through my values, also value clearly, you know, saving for retirement and things like that. And number four, where do I want to be in one, five, 10, 20 years from now? So I, I really mapped that out. One year, five year, 10 year, 20 years. So I was 47 when I was doing this, 10, 20 years would have made me 67. And so I worked my way through this. A lot of therapists who work the way I do work until they can't work anymore. And they work at the level that I was working at. They work very full time. And at that point, the thought of seeing as many clients as I was seeing, working as many hours as I was working, for another 20 to 30 years was like, oh my gosh, there's no way. My husband is also nine years older than me and we only have one daughter. And my mom, my my dad was still living. My dad died in, in 2020. My mom was still living, but we love to travel and we love to take my parents places. And now we still take my mom places. And so those were all the things that were important to me. And clearly my mom, I knew she wasn't going to be alive for 20 years. I mean, gosh, I would have hoped for 10 more, but who knows? And then my last question, which was 
the one that really had me thinking and reflecting very, very deeply, which is the one that can send people into a tailspin, my last question is, is what I'm doing now setting me up for that life that I want in 1, 5, 10, 20 years? The answer was glaring. The answer was no, it is not. So at that point, I knew that I needed to think about something different. I just didn't know what. I didn't know what I was going to do because I saw my identity as a therapist as my identity. I certainly wasn't going to go back to school and spend more time training and educating in something else. I really invested myself in this. I'm also really great at it. I also really love doing this work with people. I just knew I needed to do it in a different way. So then I spent probably, so we're still talking 2020, I probably spent the next year exploring and trying to figure it out what I was going to do. And, and I did. I figured it out. But anyhow, I want to give you some things to do beyond that in your marriage if this is an experience that you can see happening or that you are in the middle of. So you've got those five questions. One, how do I want to live my life logistically? Two, what is important to me? Three, what are my values? Four, where do I want to be in one, five, 10, 20 years from now? You could do any number of variation you want. And five is what I'm doing now setting me up for that. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking, I'm saying this as an I, but this is an I and a me. It's an I because I was the one working in the career, not my husband, but all of my answers revolved around my family because that's a high value to me. My family is high value. Time with them is high value. So here are some things. So then I, you know, I started talking with my husband a lot about these things. So here are some things that I want you to think about and beyond those five questions to do in your marriage to really avert or minimize having a midlife crisis. So number one, first and foremost, is really honest and open communication with your partner. You really have to create a safe space where you can start talking about these things, thoughts you feel without concerns and judgment. And so I was really open with my husband and and it, it just was a given that there were going to be no impulsive decisions made. And so the, the other thing, the second thing to do is to really start to like set and review some goals. So really establishing your personal goals and your shared goals for the future. And so you do that as you're working through those five questions that I, that I shared with you, but also you start thinking with your partner about this. And within that, you're also thinking about number three is financial planning. So really working together on, you know, the finances and how can we do this. And that was something that he and I thought about because I started really to shift my business structure and my business model, which meant that we were going to have less income coming in for a while. So we had to make accommodations to that. So we had to really be on the same page for that. So there was a little kicking and screaming on my ends, but we definitely <laughs> made it through and we're on the other side of that now. And really nurturing your relationship through all of this, prioritizing your marriage, investing time and effort into nurturing it, regular date nights, regular meetings with each other so that you can have the conversation and focusing on health and wellness individually and jointly. This was something that has always been a value of mine, of ours. And so really maintaining and prioritizing my own mental health, which I've always done, but also physical health and mental health through exercise, through diet. So one of the things that we did, and I don't mean diet like going on a diet, I mean like using nutrition, lifestyle management, and stress management. And so that was something that he and I did together. And so we began thinking about how we wanted to cook. And so 
we were cooking home a lot more and thinking about our lifestyle and all of those. We were very much on the same page about those. Although I'm gluten-free and he's not, we just tend to make a lot of naturally gluten-free things. And and my husband will a lot of times make things for me that are gluten-free that he wouldn't eat, but he sort of surprises me with them. And And also just having a very strong connection with your partner through this process and recognizing that this is, if they are struggling with where they are and what the meaning that they're not having, that it's really important to have that very strong connection that you have. Being patient through this process, understanding that like these midlife questions or potentially a midlife crisis is a natural part of life for many individuals. I contextualize it as a, as a psychological life stage, a developmental life stage. So th- that that is means that this is very common for people. So being patient and supportive and lots of self-reflection, exploring your values, your beliefs, what truly matters to you as you start to move in deeper and deeper into this stage and really encouraging the reflection and personal growth and doing that with your partner. And if you find yourself really stuck here, then that would be an opportunity, I would say, to consider working with someone, working with a therapist individually or working with a couples therapist who can really help walk you through, working with a practitioner, someone who this is the work that they do, and making sure that you don't get stuck there because we don't want to get stuck for too long in a stage of life that doesn't feel good to us. We want to be able to continue to move through these stages. And just remember that you know, midlife crises can manifest differently for each person. And so it's really important that you're approaching it with empathy, understanding, compassion, and allow this to be an opportunity to really strengthen your relationship with your partner. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Midlife Marriage. If you liked this episode and if my mission and approach resonate with you, please subscribe to the Midlife Marriage on Apple Podcasts and feel free to leave a rating. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date on the groups and classes I'm hosting for couples just like you, please consider joining my mailing list and following me on Instagram. You can also check out my website where you can learn more about me, my practice, and what I offer.